Bubba the Hunter Podcast. Mutability will be key. Um, Jack runs his mouth a little bit too much sometimes. Doesn't necessarily know what he's talking about. So. Yeah, that was that was a Bubba story. You know, we're we're just a bunch of Bubbas talking about fishing. So that was definitely a Bubba story, and that's pretty accurate how it went down. I was uh, a little distraught at the time. So Bubba don't care. Bubba just wants to go hunting, man. Let Bubba, Bubba go. Bubba don't care. I like it. <laughs> just some plain and simple average folks, right? That's it. Like so, That's Bubba. I've fished. I've ice fished in ice shanties, and prostitution was running rampant. <laughs> <laughs> Real world things that Bubba's gonna use. I'm gonna tell you right now. That's what we want to hear too. You gotta finish it off, not just kill it, but you gotta grill it. You guys are doing good. Holy crap, I can't believe something <laughs> that big and powerful is in the water, like, with me. It's like taking a duck leg and supercharging it with duck flavor. Nice. Super this is making me hungry yeah, like here. That. Duck fat roll. So, um, my only requirement is to be home by dinner time. So I get up in the morning, I can go fish like I'm going to work, come home, same routine. That's really cool. It's not going to be just rainbows and butterflies the whole time. <laughs> there are going to be some hard decisions that have to be made at some point. That's Bubba the Hunter in a nutshell, man. All right, so episode 11 of Bubba the Hunter podcast, uh, I would uh, think I say it, it's go time right now here, Bubba's, to uh, to start this one. So uh, it's go time outdoors with Chris Knutson and Tina Atkinson. Yeah. So thanks for coming on, guys. And Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's great. I've been listening to the podcast here and getting my entertainment out of that as well. So thank you for, <laughs> thank you for having I'm us I'm glad on it's been that. entertaining for you. Yeah, one of the, one <laughs> good of the deal. two, as you say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We got, I think we're down. To, we did have four, and, and now you guys are on. So we'll oh, see how this one goes. Right on. But, no, you know, I appreciate for... <laughs> it. Thank you for having yeah. us. Absolutely. So yeah. So yeah. So the God first, God first family. You know, we're just. You know, we're Christians. We, you know, we're basically out there enjoying God's creation. Hmm, absolutely. You know, the there's so much. There's so much to see out there. There's so much to do when you get out there. You know, when you're hunting, um, you have a sunset or a beautiful crisp morning or something, you know, like that. Like, that's all God's creation. It's just just so amazing just to be out there, whether, you know, whether you're seeing critters or not. You know, so it's kind of, you know, God first, our family, we're real centered around our family. And we just love, love being outside, love being in the outdoors, on the water, in the woods you name it you know hiking fishing whatever so we we like to uh like to have a good time out there in the you know shooting shooting guns shooting archery you know bows and whatever so and for the kids that don't hunt they still come with they ride their skateboards as we're fishing <laughs> so we incorporate them nice in part of it as well or they find snakes and turtles yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's part of it too. You know, it, it that's the it's the little things sometimes that uh, you know, especially with how, how social media can portray hunting right now and it can just be uh, you know, your uh your posts for content, catch, you know, catch for content, kill for content sort of thing. Mm-hmm. There's 
there's there's so much more to being out out in the woods and being a hunter and being an outdoorsman Absolutely. and just being out there in God's awesome creation is just great and getting and getting the kids out there and and that's you know I know for my kids when they come out with me it's you know just sitting in a stand um, and seeing that sun sunrise seeing you know just everything out there and if if you're not bagging or catching anything. It's just nice being out there in God's awesome creation. So yes, yeah, absolutely, and that's part of what I saw on the, you guys' Instagram, and I like that. So yep. that is Bubba the Hump Hunter sort of uh, approach, right yep, there. Yeah, we're Bubba's so, up here in Minnesota yeah. and Wisconsin. So so you guys are uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin up there. Yep, and uh, definitely uh, got the got the adventures up there. And as I mentioned, you guys have the you know with the all the shed hunting yeah. and stuff. Um, well, well, you know, first, um, you know, tell us about so. Where, how you kind of got it's go time outdoors and, and you guys also got a youtube channel out there too yep. so so that's uh, kinda, you know i like that it's go time it's go time that's something i've always said when i when i go hunt when i go hunting or so you know when we're about ready to go like it's go time you know let's go do this let's have some fun and you know i i i've filmed a lot of my hunting and fishing adventures in the past and stuff and that's just something something i would say it's go time you know because it is it's it's go time we're ready to do this let's go have some fun so that's kind of where the it's go time came from after our first texas trip that's when we decided we should probably get something together and it would make us do more of it together as well um knowing we needed content yeah absolutely you know and that's the great you know getting it when you're doing something out there together out in the outdoors together that's you know you're gonna get more time out there uh, it's gonna you're gonna enjoy the outdoors more, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a couple, and as a family. Yep. And it's gonna bring your 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 closer together and God's awesome creation. And that's yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned your Texas hunt. Might as well you know tell us about that because I believe so. You went down there hunting javelins and pigs and now guy. Um, so now guy is that's you know new to me. I know I, I was talking to Ryan about it, you know, one of the other co-hosts on here on the Bubba the Hunter show, uh, and he he knows all about it. And he was uh, telling me that it is awesome table fare. Yes, so, it is. Uh, you know, I, I think you guys were successful mm-hmm. in that and watching the YouTube video. So um, you know, tell us about that trip. Yep. I, I'm all ears on that. You want to talk the about Neil guy yeah. is an animal. It's from India. And it was brought over to Texas in the 1920s. In the 1930s and 40s, they let them loose, and they thrive. They love that environment, the heat down there. The brush is kind of like what they're used to. Um, And there's, you know, 30,000 of them down there. There's not a lot of public hunting land, so you have to go through a guide or have a rancher give you access to their property. And we fortunately know somebody down there. So uh, we went one year and just did some javelinas and saw these meal guy creatures. And I got excited and said, I want to shoot one of those. So we uh, made it out there. And, you know, our our guide was great because they had a food plot and the bulls were coming in left and right every night. Mm. And we sat and within an hour, I had four bulls in front of me. Uh, We did a thermal hunt. So it was a night vision wow. scope, and they were 140 yards out and had a nice shot <laughs> right through the shoulder. So um, they're big. They're crazy looking. They look like a horse slash antelope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, nice. So you mentioned so thermal. So you were hunting those at night. 
Is that is that the only time to hunt them, or was that just uh, maybe part of your? No, they hunt part of the hunt. They... Both, if you want. Okay. Um, for some reason, that's just what we had talked about the year before, and you know, went with it. The Neil guy can see very well, so your odds are better at night. Um, their sense of smell is not that important, but their sight is. And if one takes off, they're fast. You know, they're going to be gone in the thick brush. You won't be able to find them. So the thermal is your better odd at getting one. I see. So, so Tina, you were successful on that hunt. Chris, was that just was it her turn, or were you just not the? <laughs> it just wasn't the. It didn't work out for you. No, I was trip. taking care of the bacon on that trip. So, so I went. I went for the pork chops and the javelinas. We did a little coyote hunting at night, and uh, I ended up. I got a javelina and a pig on that trip. Oh, nice. So, yeah, we had we had quite the blast, and I, I was able, my dad was able to come with. He got a javelina. My buddy Dan, he shot his first javelina. So we had uh, we had his pickup truck with a seven-cubic-foot uh, freezer in the back. We put that in our hotel room, and we just started <laughs> filling it, <laughs> filling it with meat. Oh, that is awesome. Yep. And so, you know, the javelinas and the, and the, the pigs were that uh, you know good table fare too, like the Neil guy. Yeah, surprisingly, you know our guides were kind of like, ah, you don't want to eat those; those are nasty, you know. But we butchered them up and we brought them home, and they were—I personally thought they were pretty darn good. Oh, awesome! I'm glad to hear that, yep. especially that uh, they were kind of not recommending it. But yeah, yep. good for you for doing that. You know, out there, you know, taking care of harvesting what you what you guys hunted—that's great. Yeah, it was very good. And the Neil guy is probably the best wild game. I've ever tasted. Hmm. Yeah, that was that was very good, very good table for a lot of meat. <laughs> well, I'm sure. Yeah, they definitely look like a big a big harvest, a big animal to harvest. Uh, yeah, that's that's great. I think and we it's got nice that you can what about 250 pounds of meat off that. Wow, 200 to 250, yeah. something like that. So yeah, that's know. awesome. That'll fill the freezer. Oh, yeah. along with the havelin and the pig there, that's great. Yep. Oh, that. That's a hey. That was well worth the trip right there. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm sure you know, you know, whatever you got in the guide and all that, and the trip down to Texas from uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and uh, but still, you know, that's a uh, you know, especially in these times that we find ourselves in, that's that's definitely nice to have in the freezer. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You're out there providing God's awesome creation, providing, taking care of things yourself. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. You know, on the Instagram feeds, we got all we got sheds, sheds, and more sheds. You guys had a really successful year. Must have definitely put some time in into adventures in the outdoors to find all these sheds that you found. Oh yeah. So you know, especially the moose sheds. I mean, that's that's awesome. So, did you just have a, a lucky year this year, or did you guys really just out there pounding pounding the uh, the outdoors just finding? Yeah, them? it's it's gotten worse over the years as far as getting out there. Cause it's such a, when you find a moose shed, you just, then it's over, you know, you just got to find more. Um, <laughs> we have probably eight years into it now. So I would say the first, the first three, four years, we're probably figuring out the land. Northern Minnesota up there is super thick. It's, it's, it's kind of a different country than is, we're kind of north of the Twin Cities by about 45 minutes. So we have a lot of agriculture, hardwoods and stuff. So up in northern Minnesota, um, it's kind of a different story. So we took a, the first four or so years was just trying to figure out the moose, you know, where they where they overwinter, what they eat, what they do, you know. So it, 
it took a while. It took a while to get into the groove, but now we got it down where we're, you know, the last three years have been, you know, we're piling on the freshies. So nice. So what I'm what I'm hearing, it's not uh, not an easy thing to do, and you guys really put in your time over yep. the last couple of years on doing that. that. That's good. It's very nice. physically, very physically demanding up in up in there. I go with a, I actually go with a guy from church. Um, nice. Yeah, we go up there and we we use Onyx on our phones and we'll pick out an area and he'll go one way. So we're out there by ourselves essentially all day checking in every hour on the radios just to see how we're doing. But uh, yeah, when it's you get out there and it's it's just awesome being out there. But when you find those moose sheds, it's just such a such a rush and it's crazy. Oh, well rewarding very well so you're yeah. definitely putting in the miles you're definitely sounds like you're definitely putting in the miles on a, a full day just to yeah. come across one shed yep a full day can mileage wise depending on how thick it can get you know we usually get up and we'll get out try to hit the try to hit the woods around eight nine o'clock in the morning and the plan is to go till dark so we do anywhere depending on how thick it is anywhere from five to we've done as many as 15 miles and you know so you get you get pretty far out and then you also have to keep track of how long it takes you to get back there's been a couple times where we're stumbling around in the dark you know getting back to camp or you start adding the moose sheds the packs can be 60 to 80 pounds and then you're fighting that through the fighting that through the thickness so it's very you say it's very physically demanding but it's it leaves you wanting more at least us anyways you need to take me out on something like yeah. that so is this something that you basically you go from your house or do you is this an adventure where you basically have to go out set up camp yep. and then you know so it's like kind of like a, a weekend deal or at least an overnight yep. deal where you're going out yeah it's about oh, wow from where we are it's about a four and a half hour trip from our door to where we camp typically nice um there's a couple trips where we'll take canoes in um a couple of those it you know it's like four hours to get to the landing and then by canoe it's another five hours typically and and then we're taking the just the bare minimum light packs <laughs> like just the minimum food you know we're we're out there for usually five days on that trip so i had no idea you know when i hear uh, folks around especially in western pa uh going shed hunting you know it's just you'll leave you know just a day trip you know mm-hmm. basically a day hike uh but that that is the that that's like a whole adventure on itself a whole season on itself yep. you know does that follow along the same lines as like whitetail you know, like that March time frame, April, May. I mean, I guess it could vary and depending on the snow melt too. And yeah, in, uh, Minnesota yeah, the moose, the moose typically they they start to drop them in December and January. You know, so it's a little little earlier than the whitetails. Um, but the the snowfall is the thing that gets us up there, and a lot of times we're riding on the ice out or the snow up there. Um, it's they get they tend to get in northern Minnesota four or five feet of snow sometimes, which is a lot for us. We used to do a winter trip, but it it just it was the one trip we did. We got some sleds. We went up there. It was negative eighteen degrees. We slept mm-hmm. in a tent with a buddy heater. Took the sled out five feet of snow. I buried it. We didn't have any gear. There's no people around and. 
we also were like, yeah, maybe maybe this isn't the best idea. We'll wait for spring. But Yeah, I could say that'd definitely be a lot of work. I mean, you're just trudging through the snow like that. It becomes like, all right, now it's uh, what kind of adventure do we want here? Right. But, uh, yeah. I think, you know, the, it's one thing, the cold, but when you're trudging through feet of snow yeah. to go out there and then, you know, what, hopefully you're going to find, you know, then it makes even find the sheds even harder too. Yep. So, uh, that's, that's awesome. I think, you know, next, uh, next spring we need a, a Bubba the Hunter venture up there with you. I, that'd be awesome. You know, basically yeah. it, it's like a back, back country, uh, you know, hiking trip basically, yep. and hopefully you find a shed along the way. Exactly. But you know, by the signs of it, it's definitely got to put your time in, and you guys have. So, yep. Yeah, you know, that's that's great. And you know, the pictures, you definitely have a lot of a lot of the moose sheds there, which is neat. Yeah. What do you What do you guys do with them? Right now, they're just uh, <laughs> they're <a> collection. <laughs> yeah, nice piles and piles of sheds. You know, like I can look at all my sheds though, and I could I know right where I found it. I yeah. know, you know the memory what what the weather was like it was i mean that alone in itself is worth it right there yeah you know you can just go out there and it just be you can talk about the adventure you had on that one or the camping trip or the cold or the snow that fell on that one yep uh, yeah that that's great uh yeah and i have awesome, so many but... sheds now i finally started parting with like my hard whites we call them they're they sit in the sun for a year whatever they get white but they're not too bad with the chewing on the ends. So I finally got to the point where I'm starting to sell a few of those off, keeping the freshies because I did so well the last few years. Tell me a little bit about what you define as freshie versus, you know, something that's been sitting around. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing here maybe the fresher it is that falling off that you're getting it, maybe it'll last longer or it's just a better quality of a shed yep. so, compared to one that's been sitting for a couple weeks, months. Yep. So a freshie is what we're calling freshies are are antlers that were paddles that were dropped that spring or that that previous winter and even you know a lot of those they still have really good color in them they're still that nice and brown but the sun some of those there's cuts up there where the sun just beats down on them and starts to discolor them and whiten them but a freshie would be one that was just dropped that previous winter um some of the year the like the hard whites are going to be a year old where they've sun bleached already. And for whatever reason, some of the critters, like the bears and the wolves and stuff up there, they just chew them. I don't know if they like them, take them as a treat and, you know, carry them around and gnaw on them or what, but some of those just have such chewing on the ends of them. Yeah, I bet they do. I know you can buy, you know, whitetail antlers mm-hmm. at the pet store. I know we get them, you know, you know, get them for my dog. You know, we have a lab and he just loves them. Yeah. You know, he'll just uh, chew on them. So, you know, speaking of coming across the, you know, you know, see, have you ever come across any wolves or any bears out there in your adventures? Yeah, we have uh, a couple times. We had we we came across a bear the one time, and it saw us, and luckily it went the other way. I actually followed a bunch of wolf tracks up to a kill, and it was a big bull that had that had died, but it was shut out. And we did one year. We were packing up at the van. We were packing up and we heard all this crashing coming through. We are on the corner of a road and a logging trail. We heard this crashing and we saw this big moose cross right behind us. And then it went and crossed the road. So we ran over right where it was seeing if we could see it. And we heard more crashing coming behind. And here's this giant wolf. I mean, I've never seen anything so big. And we're standing right now, we're standing right in the path of it. 
uh, luckily the wolf saw us and stopped dead in its tracks and turned around and went the other way. So that was our, that was our one wolf experience. Other than that, nothing, you know, we're out, it's crazy out in the, out in the wilderness, like just us, you, we've never seen a moose while we're out there. Some of those areas, it's crazy good sign. Well, you've come across the shed, so that's, that was well worth it. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's a great. Do you do you uh just curious? Do you carry while you're out there on those adventures, or take some sort of um like bear spray or something? We don't. We used to yeah. we used to carry, um, but then it was like the extra weight and stuff. So we're like, nah, uh, we'll right. pass on it. A few people have said we're crazy for not carrying. <laughs> Definitely crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, if I come up with you, is it all right that because I'm definitely going to carry when I'm with you? If that's okay, good, that is absolutely all right. <laughs> all right, that's good. To, good to know. Yep. I got to hear. You got any other interesting stories about on your adventures out there the last few years of uh, your camping adventures up finding sheds? Well, we've had a few. We've had a few close calls on the canoe trips where mm. um, big, big lakes that we're crossing. And, you know, multiple packs with sheds and our gear. And then the wind picks up and it's three foot white caps. And we're doing everything we can to keep the canoe straight and, you know, not, not going over. Oh, wow. Very. I definitely pray a lot when he's gone. There's no knowing where he's at, no cell service. So we hope Oh, you're completely no cell service off the grid sort of thing yep, when you're up there. There's nothing up there. Oh, that's awesome. Now, you are you you got to be close to the Canadian line at that point in time. Yeah, you, you know, I Yeah. There there are a few times where we're closer. We have a few different spots that we go to, but yeah, there are a couple where it's not too far from Canada. Nice. Yeah, that might be the, the Bubba's closest thing to show alone. Yeah. I don't know if you guys come, come yeah. across that show. Mm-hmm. That is a family favorite in my household uh-huh. we just finished up watching season nine last thursday and then alone frozen started this this past thursday night and callie is in that um thankfully she's in my daughter's name is callie so she loves callie uh-huh. so she wants callie to win the season alone frozen season uh they changed that season up a little bit only 50 days but uh-huh. that is our favorite show in this household yeah and it sounds like you know that is maybe like kind of the closest little thing maybe like a five day alone adventure up there when you go shed hunt yeah actually that I, sounds awesome yeah i could tell you about well the one probably three i think it was three years three or four years ago we went up there for a five day trip we got out there we set up camp and it was it was 25 degrees in the spring it had snowed about three inches and we were breaking ice with the canoe to get out there and then we fell we went to we went to sleep and it had the snow actually turned to rain in the middle of the night i woke up to dripping on my forehead and uh no heaters no nothing because it's it was a lightweight trip so i woke up to dripping on my head and I didn't have a sleeping pad or anything at the time, so I was I was kind of in a little hole and I was soaking wet, so I was basically sleeping in a puddle and it was about 26, 27 degrees, completely drenched. My sleeping bag was completely drenched and I just got up, put my rain gear on and my warm jacket and crawled back into my soaking wet sleeping bag and tried to get a little bit of sleep that night. and. Up there, it's either kind of raining and or snowing all day during the day, so I couldn't really hold or put my sleeping bag out to try to get it dry. So every every yeah. night on that trip, get back, put the gear on, and hop into a wet sleeping bag and try to get some sleep. Oh, man, you toughed it out. 
that the critters ate your food? Yeah, that is also the same trip. We had some critters get into half of our food, so we were we we're down rationing. Ration, yeah. Wow, that that's on that that's an experience that everybody needs to, to have though. It's that, wild. That, it, but, it certainly makes for a good story, right? Yeah, absolutely. A good story after the and fact. I, and I'd do it again. <laughs> we we keep nice. going back. It's is something about being up there that just no takes us back. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> It, uh, yeah, you definitely earned those ones. Did you find any sheds on that tri- trip? We did, yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. Did. So it made it worth it. Yep. It made that uh, sleeping in a wet sleeping bag worth it then, yep. for sure. Yep. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that good stories like that are what uh, keep you going back. That, that's great. Oh, yeah. So I've noticed that, uh, you know, I know you mentioned that you were uh, kind of curious on all the snakehead fishing we've been talking about on, yes. uh, on the Bubba show and stuff. Uh, but you've been doing your own fishing too. I think you've, uh, especially your bow fishing from a kayak for those carp. So you know it's it's neat. One you know uh, bow fishing alone, but from a kayak too. That's just that's some good stuff right there, Chris. Yeah. So that guy, what got me into that was you know I did a lot of spring bow fishing when they were spawning, it's, and it was hit or miss. We have a few dams and and stuff like that out here. And you'd go and you'd spend more time just sitting on the shore waiting for them to come through. So I happened to pick up a kayak at a garage sale and went out kayaking a few times. And I noticed all these carp in the middle of summer in these spots that I go. They just come up and they start sucking on the on the top of the water. You can see their lips kind of you know, <laughs> sucking through the weeds there. So I'm like, well, man, this is perfect. So I went and grabbed my bow and went out there, and I ended up doing better out of a kayak than I ever have. I mean, there was times where I think the most I had the one time was 10 carp, and then it got to be too much where it was affecting how I was turning and stuff in the kayak, so I had to go in. But, you know, some of these carp are 20-plus pounds, it, oh, so yeah. it gets it gets heavy. What I After this last trip I did, I decided I'm going to try to make a little crate for the back of the kayak that I can put them in. Just fill that so I don't... What I was doing before was putting them on a stringer and let, dragging them beside me. So now I'm going to go for the crate crate approach and there you go. Stack Get them. a crate of carp. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, you could come down here. That that's one thing that the folks at Snakehead Fish hate seeing the carp because anytime we go and we see the carp, especially during a spawn, it's you know carp after they just jump and splash and everything else and. Uh, anytime we see the carp, it's just like, you know, we know, all right, let's find a, an area where they're not because it's something about snakehead and carp don't coexist together or something. Definitely don't seem to catch them when the carp around. Really? It, it seems like the carp can just take over. Yeah. yeah. So we need we need more folks down down on the eastern shore or wherever um, snakehead are slaying the carp like that with bowfish and, and uh, letting the snakehead live. Do you have people that <laughs> so, bowfish down there at all? Oh, or? Yeah. oh yeah. yeah. But definitely. There, especially for, there's a, there's certainly a lot of folks that uh, bowfish for snakehead okay. in the eastern shore. They put the lights on the boat and uh, like the, the you know, small John boats yep. uh, and go out and well, um, they, I, I think they do quite well. Um, I come from the camp uh, on the snakehead, you know, they are invasive and various opinions on it, if yep. and how they are affecting the ecosystem and certainly around the Chesapeake Bay and uh, Blackwater all the way up the Eastern shore. Uh, they're in the, in the Susquehanna, in the Pennsylvania, apparently in the Delaware area. I don't know. I don't, necessarily i come from the camp that we like to let them live because there's uh or at least you know let's keep a slot size or if you are going to go down and slay them um you know let's harvest them let's let's not whack them and stack them on the the side of the road by the bridge sort of thing yeah 
Um, so, and because Snakehead, uh, although, you know, we have two and a half listeners on above the show, so we don't, we're not telling a whole lot of people. Snakehead are very good table fare, very good to eat and uh, a blast to catch. So, yeah. um, what, what I think we need to do, Chris, uh, and, and Tina, I, we need to like, to, I, I need to come up there for a spring, uh, can't out adventure yep. up, you know, like a five day adventure. And then you can come down here bring, uh, you know, don't even need to bring a kayak. We'll set you up with the kayak and we'll go snakehead fishing. Yeah. Um, so absolutely uh, yeah it's good times and um you could you know you could even bow fish for them if you want and uh we definitely you know i'm not you know it, even not the guys on the let it live camp are not opposed to keeping some just we just don't like when we go down and we'll just see people on the the bridges just stacking them whacking them and yep there they 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 you know um, we just let them go to waste. Yeah, and, no, we're, and, you know, God created them for a reason. I know they're uh, they're invasive here, but everything in God's awesome creation is worth worth harvesting in a uh, uh, moral and ethical manner. So, absolutely, I'd um, love to try them. I'd love to try yeah. eating them. Oh, well, I think we need to. We'll definitely need to follow up with this, Chris. Uh, yeah, I'm all about a five day adventure up in the North Woods absolutely. of Minnesota. That would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just completely off the grid, roughing it. Yep. Um, and when you do you, you uh, do you set up a base camp for something like that, yeah. or do you just like, like basically set up tents, yep. or do you have like a like base camp sort of tents? Yep, we have like a, an alone base camp is what I'm picturing. Yeah, there. Well, we we have it, it's well we have our it's called REI. I don't know if you guys have those. It's a okay. camping kind of world store, whatever you want to call it. We got a very very lightweight tent that packs. It's I don't know what the weight is. It's crazy how light it is, um, and it packs down to just bigger than a water bottle so that's that's the kind of stuff that's what we're using is a super lightweight tent we'll get out there and we'll get our tent set up and then we'll typically we'll take the canoe or wherever and go to diff go hit up different areas each day and then come back to wherever camp might be i'm all about that adventure yeah it's a great time you'd be hooked yeah (laughs) nice It'll be an annual trip. Yep. Up, uh, it's go time outdoors. Yep. With Chris and Tina. That, that sounds. Uh, oh, I got to hear the wolf spider experiment. <laughs> you got to tell us about that. Yeah, that's that's me trying to be cool. Um, <laughs> I, I've never been I've never been one much for spiders. You know, you, I'm with you. You can give me you can give me giant snapping turtles. You can give me big big old bull snakes, hog noses, any of that. You can give me that, but spiders, no. And if in a few years back, I I do a lot of bear hunting here in Minnesota, and I do it out of a blind over over a bait. And for whatever reason, these big wolf spiders love the blinds. They're they're always in there. So when I'm packing up my blinds at the end of the season, the one year I'm like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to hold one of these and get over my fears. <laughs> you know, so I I took me a minute. You can see the video on our YouTube page. Um, I thought it'd be cool. You know, I thought it'd get in my hand and I'd have nothing to worry about. So I I finally get it wrangled up into my hand, but it runs kind of on the back of my arm and then I could see it on the back of my arm. So I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not liking this, you know? So I tried to move it. So it run back down my arm, but it ended up running behind me and on my back. But I thought it ran, I didn't know where it was. So I swatted my head and then I 
I don't know why I turned the camera off. I should have kept it recording, but I stopped the camera. I jumped up. I ripped my shirt off. I was doing some crazy little dance out there in the woods by myself. And I was... Oh, I don't blame you at all. I think yeah. I would have been doing the same thing. I mean, who cares about the camera at that point in time? I'm I'm like itching myself now. Yeah, and where is it? I'm like, this, back is, to make sure. this is not good. This, is, this went horribly wrong. So I was able to find it on the ground and I could get a little bit of sleep that night. You know, so I... I ended up after that though. I did. I ended up getting a tarantula last last oh. year because I wanted to I have weird bucket list things like that, like holding a tarantula. Um, he let the tarantula glow in my bathroom on accident. <laughs> that was not okay. Well, you know, you cover if that's on your bucket list. You definitely did the you know grabbing the snapping turtle. I think you know, and one you have a, mm-hmm. a, a picture on Instagram there. You're bringing up a snapping turtle out of the water. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, I might be able to deal with the spider here and there, but, ooh, wow. You know, how, how did how did you grab that snapping turtle well, without grabbing the wrong part? Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> I've, been, I've been catching snapping turtles, critters, you know, snakes, all the reptiles. I love them. I've been catching them since I was a kid. But, like, like now in the kayak, as long as I can, I can see where their head is when it goes down, I know roughly about where they're which way they'll be facing so you just go up and you feel for their tail usually they take off and then you pull them up and get your hands under them so i've i've caught quite a few that way out of the kayaks yes yeah, wow. you know i think yeah i think you and uh, kevin pavlidis with the snakeaholic you guys would uh, oh, yeah. get along very well with with his wrangling of the alligators uh-huh. and then catching those big pythons and uh yeah, you grabbing those snapping turtles right out of the water. You know, yeah, uh, you big know. turtles. That's great. We have big bull snakes here, um, hognose snakes. I don't know if you guys have those. They kind of puff up like a cobra or they play dead. Yeah, in fact, I saw that on your Instagram feed, and when you, you're, I think you're holding it, and Tina might be like, like <laughs> yeah. next to it. it. And, <laughs> I was touching it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, wow, that looks it. So it looks nasty. Yeah. And like venomous, but I guess it's not, right? They're, I mean, it's just they're mildly venomous, not enough to do okay. anything. But they're they're all they're all show. They do, I've, yeah. They strike or try to strike like a cobra, don't they? Yeah, and they it's just like a a fake strike, dry strike, whatever you want to call it. They don't actually bite; <laughs> they'll just kind of go for you like they're striking. But I always just walk okay. right up and pick them up. They do their fake strike, pick them right up, and most of the time they calm down, but that one from the picture, that one was just angry the whole time. But it didn't strike or it didn't try to bite or anything. No. A lot of times they'll play dead after that and kind of roll over and play dead, but that one was just angry for some reason. Well, yeah, I guess he didn't like you handle him, Chris. He wanted to just go off and be uh, be a snake, and yep. you interrupted his day. Yep, and he didn't <laughs> like you for it. His bucket list, though, is to catch a rattler, so we'll see that coming hopefully soon. There you go. So, and is that a, you You could definitely come across that in uh, northern Minnesota or Wisconsin? No, we don't. There's or, there's a few timber rattlers in southern Minnesota, but when, whenever we go on our Texas trip or whatever, I'm, I'm looking for snakes and critters and stuff like that. We spend at least a day in total a few hours here a few hours there looking for snakes 
on every trip we go on. <laughs> nice. So do you, do you like that, Tana? You, you, know, kind of, you kind of just in the background, kind of just like let him take care of it. And... I will videotape it. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to be near it. There you go. I think I'm with you on that, Tina. I mean, it's, uh, I'm glad there's folks out there, you know, that want to, that can, you know, handle, handle those snakes out there. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be the camera like six feet apart. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Good deal. So, what do you, you what do you guys have coming up? You got any uh, adventures coming up, or maybe like uh, another Texas trip? We talked about that Texas trip you guys went on, and Tina's bagging the uh, the Neil guy. You got anything coming up? I want something new, but we've talked about going back to Texas, and I want to do uh, a javelina hunt with the bow this time since I've done them with a gun. Um, Chris is talking; he wants his shot at the Neil guy. Uh, we'd like to take his dad out there again with us. It was a good. Good time for him. You can tell him about gators. Yep, we possibly, possibly in mid-September here, we might have a gator slash hog hunt coming up in Louisiana. We're still kind of working, working details on that. Possibly a Maui Hawaii uh, axis deer goat goat hunt for later this later this winter sometime. Oh, I, you know what I saw? We can't. The, the Bubba show is audio only, but Tina's eyes lit up when you said the Hawaii trip there. Yeah. That is great. And it's the access there. You know, that's it's interesting you mentioned that when Ryan and I were going over what we we're going to talk about. And he mentioned he, he was talking about access there and sort of told was telling me uh, he's very knowledgeable on anything hunting, you know, whitetail, especially with his uh, past and, mm-hmm. and working with QDMA and stuff like that. But he was telling about access deer and uh, how I, so they're are they native in Hawaii? I think is what he told me. Yeah, they're all over. So, yeah, yeah. Supposedly, supposedly, there's there's so many of them, you know, that they they want you to get them out of there. So hunting and I guess the yeah, goats, awesome. the goats as well, kind of overrun, overrun. Yeah. So he brought up Hawaii and axis deer probably last year. And I haven't let him forget it. <laughs> so when he says Louisiana, I'm like, wait, where'd Hawaii go? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there you go, Chris. I think you need to put that on the next year. Well, you know, go to Louisiana and then uh, go to the the hunt access deer. I don't know when the seasons are, but that'd be nice to do in the wintertime. You know, go to Hawaii in the wintertime and have some, you know, nice, wonderful weather out in Hawaii. Absolutely. Uh, It it, uh, surprises the crap out of me that a blue state like Hawaii would let anybody hunt something. But I guess, you know, they call call hunters when they need to manage something just, you know, the correct way. uh, Yeah, that's uh, that's, uh, interesting. You know, know, I don't, I don't. Uh, thinking Hawaii and hunting in the same sentence that often, but that's cool. No, I, so, I I'm with you there up until recently. So, yeah, nice. Okay. Well, I hope you know. I hope one of those, all those trips come to fruition. The one trip though that I want to come to fruition is uh, next spring and coming up to uh, do one of these adventures. Just in the backcountry, even if we didn't find a shed at all, mm-hmm. just being. Uh, you know, kind of off the grid, sort of like an alone setup, for, sort of setting for five days. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's not alone. I'm sure you take food and stuff like that yep. as long as the critters don't get it. Yep. And you have to start rationing like you did before. But at least you're experienced in that. If we do get on that path, so yeah, we we got it down <laughs> now. We're doing we're doing pretty good as far as keeping our food and stuff. So there's been times nice. you forgot water. So <laughs> yeah can be dangerous well, but they've done it they know what to expect now nice yeah good times yep. and i'm sure that makes for another good story <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah and any trip i go on typically comes out to if there it wasn't anything bagged or caught 
There was probably a good story out of it. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of Bubba stories. It makes for a good story. Yep. And if it, so if I'm sure to come with you, just be forewarned that it'll be at least a good story out of it and hope we're, you know, we make it out to tell the good story. That's but, right. You know, <laughs> so that's right. That's, uh, that's how it usually goes with me. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that's good. Good times yeah. for sure. Yep. So, uh, yep. So, well, uh, yeah, a few other things. We have bear baiting just opened in minnesota on friday here so do bear every year in minnesota wisconsin where we're at here yeah it's it's a lottery so it takes a few years to get a tag the video that i have on our youtube was a bear i shot last this last in 2021 in wisconsin so we got that and then we have some deer coming deer of course in both states and grouse Nice. So, you know, that piques my uh, interest on, on the bear hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing. So you say, so in Minnesota, you can hunt bear over bait. Yeah. Nice. Yep. And and so there's a season when you can actually start baiting them? Yep. Yep. So that's... And is that, is that when the, like, hunt season starts too? Or is it, like, pre-bait to bring them in? Or is it... Yeah, you, you have two weeks. It's usually two weeks before... It opens in Minnesota. It's always September first and goes to mid October. So, and baiting is typically two weeks prior, whatever that falls. You know, this this year was on the twelfth, which was Friday. So, yeah, you just oh, nice. So you can start baiting them then, yep. and then can you keep baiting and hunt over the bait all yep. the way to the end of the season? Yep. Oh, that's cool. Yep. So you that's can do fine. that. Um, but in Min- uh, Wisconsin, however, they ha- you can run dogs or you can bait. And usually every year they flip-flop it, dogs first, baiting a week later, baiting first, and then dogs a week later. So so that's that's something you kind of, and that's mid-September usually when that opens. So why, why would, what's the reason behind alternating the years where you bait first and then dogs? Yeah, I don't know if it's, it's just something Wisconsin. Wisconsin. They they opened up the talks and and the dog runners went in and said their piece and the baiters said their piece so they just said hey we're gonna make it even you go first then you go first then you go first and that's oh, the, okay. the rule that's, here that's interesting yeah nice okay yeah that's cool and so you mentioned in Wisconsin it's a lottery is that a lottery pick for residents yeah. Three years wow. for me to get a tag, typically. Um, so next year I should have one, we hope. Um, I can go to Minnesota, though, and get a tag over the counter every year. Ah, that's interesting. So when you, is that like you get the tag and then that's just for that season? Or season. and or if you bag one, are you like out of the loop then? Do you reset for a little while or you just start applying? You get it that season, then you just start applying yep. again for the next year yeah. and it's likely going to be another three years until you get it. Yeah, three years yeah. is good. No, it's the, this particular zone that we're in, I I've, I've was lucky enough to get a tag two times now in Wisconsin. The first time it took me nine years, and this last time, last year, it took me six years to get that tag. And they just did some restructuring, so now it's now we're hearing that it's two two to four years where we're at. So uh, wow. we're hoping, oh, that's in. hoping for next There's year. a lot of bears. Yeah, you know, at least that's uh, at least you know, maybe three years isn't so bad. I, I there's a lot of folks that I know, in in Pennsylvania they have uh, in Center County and up in uh, Central Pennsylvania they have elk in Elk County. Oh yeah, um, and you can you can put in you can buy points and put in for a lottery. But there's folks that I know that have been in it from like 
a lifetime and still haven't got a draw on. Okay. So if you get drawn one time to go elk hunting in Pennsylvania, consider yourself uh, lucky for sure. Go play the lottery. I'd rather hit the lottery, I think, and then I'll go some go other state on elk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's interesting. Well, I hope you uh, do well and certainly look forward to seeing your upcoming adventures with the uh, hunting bear. And yeah, uh, hopefully both guys, guys both, both do well on that. Mm-hmm. That'll be uh, some good entertainment. I'd love to bag a bear. I, I've never, I've got a, a bear tag. You can get them over to counter in uh, Pennsylvania. I believe in Maryland too. Um, but uh, just never been successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you definitely cannot bait them in Pennsylvania. I know that. Oh, is it dogs uh, only or something or what would it be? I don't even think you're using dogs really? in Pennsylvania. That's uh, something definitely worth researching, but I'm yeah. pretty sure you can't bait them uh, in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So that's it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I know, so the difference in, for whitetail at least, you can bait in Maryland and hunt over bait on private land. Uh, but in Pennsylvania, uh, certainly the CWD zone, mm-hmm. so the, the chronic wasting zone, yep. you know, chronic, chronic wasting disease is certainly impacting that in Pennsylvania, you could, you used to be able to, in, in Western PA where I hunt, where my, uh, you know, where I grew up, where my family is, you could put, you could put bait out beginning of the year, but, you know, just to see them coming in, in front of your trail camera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you'd have to pull it 30 days before the season, I think. Well, now in CWD zones, you can't put anything out, no matter if it's off season or not. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in, in Maryland, you can still hunt over it. But yeah, it's it's interesting how in different... Uh, Very similar to here as far as deer goes. Yeah, I'm in a CWD okay. zone. Yeah, and uh, that's a, certainly a topic that I uh, that Ryan has talked about on Ryan Fewer Podcast, for sure. He's had some experts on there talk about CWD mm-hmm. and how it's impacting some areas and uh yeah it's kind of it's it's scary uh, i don't know that i've ever come across the deer with cwd right. uh whitetail um i haven't that yeah. i know of anyways yeah. you know right yeah and they have some different testing programs in pennsylvania that you can send in if you know and then wait for the results um uh, i'm not sure i hope i don't think cwd is in in maryland hopefully not right but yeah it's certainly affecting de- definitely some parts of the country for sure yeah you guys definitely it's go time outdoors definitely have great content and uh thank you and the youtube so yeah chris and tina thanks uh you know we had a pretty good discussion there for a good uh um, oh we're pushing an hour how about yeah. that so um yeah so it so just for you can plug what you got going on there and stuff. It's it's Go Time Outdoors on Instagram, and I believe it's the same thing on YouTube. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. It's Go Time Outdoors on the YouTube channel, and you can go out and see the see some of the videos, especially your Texas hunting. Yeah. Uh, you guys had some good video on that, and yeah, everyone can go out there and listen to that. So yeah, yeah, good deal. Uh, hey, and I'm definitely all about coming up for a, a spring just to. Yeah, and uh, don't have to worry about it. Do you have to worry about any permits or anything like that for shed hunting? Just going out there in an adventure, camping in the backcountry? Yep, let the adventure begin. Taking a hike through the woods. There you go. It's go time. It's go time, yep. (laughs) I like it. Good deal. Yeah. Well. Great. Appreciate you having us on. Absolutely, man. We had we had great time chatting with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks a lot. You know, it's uh, uh, so far most everyone I've reached out on Instagram has got back and and we've set up a time. So it's great to talk to. Uh, and it's finally, you know, it's nice to get uh, uh, the lady perspective on too, Dana. So thank you, first uh, first uh, outdoors woman out there on the Bubba the Hunter podcast. So yeah, watch it. And, uh, watch her page. You'll see some more fishing and hunting from her coming up here so 
we'll do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, God, family, and, and the outdoors. Yep. I love that a lot. That, that's great. Good stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, good deal. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thank you very much. So, yeah, thank you.